This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be speaking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guest this week is interior designer Martin Lawrence Bellore. Once an aspiring actor, Martin left his native England for Hollywood in the 1990s and quickly switched professions. He's since become one of the industry's most renowned designers, earning a regular spot on best-of lists and working with a roster of celebrity clients, from Cher and Elton John to Machine Gun Kelly and Kylie Jenner. I spoke with Martin about why his superpower has always been intuition, why he's not a fan of hourly billing, and why his strategy for licensing resembles a pyramid. This podcast is sponsored by Laloy, maker of rugs, pillows, and wall art for the thoughtfully layered home. From the moment a product is designed by Laloy's in-house design team to the second it leaves their warehouse and beyond, Laloy exists to serve designers and retailers with the industry's best products and service. Explore the latest launches at LaloyRugs.com. That's L-O-L-O-I Rugs.com. Stay in the loop by following them on Instagram or TikTok at at Rugs. This podcast is also sponsored by Forehands, a leading source of design inspiration and well-crafted furniture and decor for interior designers and retailers for over 25 years. Join their designer trade program to shop over 6,000 styles across dining, living, bedroom, art, and more, with new designs released weekly. There's never an order minimum, and you'll enjoy exclusive pricing with bigger discounts the more you shop throughout the year. To join and receive a free copy of their latest lookbook, visit forehands.com slash boh. That's F-O-U-R-H-A-N-D-S dot com slash boh. And now, on with the show. Before we get into your career and the early days, I have to ask, you've recently been designing a home for the rapper Machine Gun Kelly, making you, Martin, the only person in my life I can ask. What's Machine Gun Kelly really like? Do you know, he's absolutely lovely. He's a really sweet guy. You know, he's a normal guy, highly creative. He's very passionate about design, I must say. He I mean, he's re- he really is involved in this process and he really wants his home to be, you know, kind of like the way he dresses. He wants it to be completely stand out. The design criteria was a dark fantasy. <laughs> so, you know, as you can imagine, there's lots of sort of deep red crushed velvet and leopard print. Ooh. And, but also, but, but it's going to be, it is going to be very artistic. I mean, there's a whole area in his entry hall, for instance, which we were wallpapering in this very wonderful pink, funnily enough, because obviously that's his big colour, pink and uh, sort of citrus green and black and brown wild. It's almost like a forest scene, mm. but painted over it in, in very loose gold leaf lettering are lyrics from one of his favourite songs. And very bold. It's almost graffiti-like on top of this very beautiful wallpaper. And so... 
there are these wonderful unexpected elements. Yeah, they're quite magical. It's cool. He's I like him a lot. Well, it sounded like you really liked him and and it sounded like you really enjoyed working with him and and of course, people are always so different in 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 real life than this uh this persona as you were saying that they that they put out to sell albums right and yeah you know rock star like you know people think oh my god you worked with ozzy osbourne was he chewing bat heads every <laughs> second well no he wasn't i've never seen you've never seen him chew a bad head right i mean no i've, I've seen him chew a chicken drumstick but that was about the extent <laughs> well i mean you you've had quite you've had quite an illustrious array i mean and and how lovely that elton john wrote the wrote the forward to your to your first uh, book and uh, and talked about what a pleasure it was working yeah. with with you. Yeah, I mean, Elton, a very special man, uh, a special part of my life and of my career. Um, and so I've been very listen. I've been very very lucky with all the clients that I've had over the years. I have had extraordinary people. I've had extraordinary experiences, and I'm a very lucky guy. You know because. Not everybody gets to meet, work with, befriend, travel, experience, you know, their icons, mm. their childhood icons, which is what's happened to me extensively in, in across the period of my career. And um, I've been so, you know, as the, as the Americans say, blessed, <laughs> but, but I have been with the people I've had in my life and, and all these experiences, and they continue to keep going. You know, I mean, I've just started to work with Sylvester Stallone. I mean, who didn't? grow up, you know, watching, watching Rocky sure. and, and Rambo, you know, and suddenly I'm framing the, the famous daggers from his movies and stuff. And it's mad. <laughs> and, you know, sitting there breaking bread with him. I mean, he's, and he's couldn't be more wonderful. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fabulous experience to have these people in my life and to be able to be creative with these great creatives to feed from their creativity and add to, you know, hopefully add to their lives and add to the, the, the joy of their lives and who they are. Let's tell people a little bit about your, your childhood, because you were just, just referencing that. And, and it, it does seem to be where un unconsciously you, you learned a great deal about design uh, as a, as a young boy selling knickknacks in the, in, in the marketplace. And you, you seem to have quite a, quite a hustling operation going in the, uh, in, when you were <laughs> 12 years old. So, uh, so tell us about hustling. that. How very dare you. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you were buying and selling and trying to up the prices. And it was, uh... I mean, literally, you know, I was running around at the age of 12 with my, uh, well, we call it pocket money in England. You call it allowance. Mm. So whatever it was I was getting every week from my parents, 10 pounds or something back then, I can't remember. But I was running around, you know, after school, going to junk shops and flea markets and, and buying things that I thought were pretty and decorative. And then on Saturday mornings, I convinced my dad to rent me a stall, a stand in the local antique market, which was a place called Greenwich in South London. Mm. And I would run around there first thing in the morning when it was dark with a torch and see what other little treasures I could find from with my couple of pounds. And then I'd go back to my stall and then I'd display my wares, copper pots and odd silver spoons, things that I just thought were pretty that I could sort of afford and displayed them and then waited for the, uh, for the unsuspecting <laughs> most American tourists to arrive. 
and <laughs> often sell these wonderful things to people that they'd go off little collectibles that they take back as souvenirs and quite often very bemused by the idea of a sort of a 12 year old kid selling I'm them sure. a, a chip up and saucer that with with the title that the queen had just had a tea out <laughs> but <laughs> the provenance might have been exaggerated a little bit, but right? But <laughs> <laughs> Well I didn't say I didn't say which queen it was, but <laughs> A queen, A queen. Let's just leave it at Any that. old queen might have a cup of tea out of that. But uh, um, and so, you know, I did that until I was almost seventeen actually. And then, you know, with my ill gotten gains. I actually ended up putting myself through drama school, which had been my passion to become an actor. And my father, who'd been an opera singer and actor, you know, early on in his career, really didn't want me to follow in those footsteps because it's such a hard thing to do. And so, you know, I paid my own way and did it and loved it. But here's the, here's the kicker of all of this. The fact that I originally was doing this as kind of a hobby and a fun thing and I loving making some money. I really, and I didn't realize it until much later on. All of that hustling, as you called it, and <laughs> by and, 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 you know, scrambling around with a torch to find pretty things. Literally, that was my education. Mm. That is what has given me the knowledge today of knowing who, what, where, why, what's Regency, what's Georgian, what's Victorian, how to put two things that are pretty together and make them really beautiful, mm. how to market. Um, how to understand a hallmark, how to understand a, a, a trademark. All of those things have been the backbone to who I am and where I am today and have given me an enormous amount of knowledge and knowledge that a lot of people in my industry don't even have. Um, people that have trained for years. So that hands on, you know, kind of in the dirt education has put me in really great stead for this, for this wild and wonderful career that I'm on. Well, and it and it seems as if, if, funny enough, this collection that you had assembled later would be what people liked so much about how you had put things together and the collection that you had assembled, right? And and that seemed to open the door for you with with what would turn into interior design projects. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I came to Hollywood, you know, after having started acting for a while mm. and then done a few bits and done some Shakespearean plays and, and then sort of fell into a bit of modeling and did fashion shows and commercials. You know, and so I made a bunch of money by the time I was 21 and uh, had a lot of fun. <laughs> and, I'm sure. And then thought, you know, well, this is it. I'm going to go to Hollywood. That I've got to be a star, obviously. So, so, so I uh, up, up and left and came and joined the Lee Strasberg Theatre School here in Hollywood and you know did that on and off for a year and then went out into the world you know and started doing all those crazy things like going on casting calls and stuff and uh you know arriving thinking i'd been specially chosen for something and there were 600 <laughs> other people at the same cast just like you that you thought what <laughs> how could this be it was a wild ride but you know eventually i got well after literally you know for a while there I was starving. I had no money. I lived on Tootsie Rolls mm. that I could buy Seven Eleven for fifty cents, and it was wild. It was crazy. It was it was like it was brilliant. Now I think back on it because you know what a great again part of education to have. You know, cast in a movie where I played opposite Eartha Kitt, um, which I was basically cut out of, but still, 
and I met the producer of of the movie and sort of befriended him and his then girlfriend, and they came to this very small little little cottagey house that I lived in there, that place I rented in West Hollywood, and they loved it, and they said, "My God, this is so cool." We've just opened new production uh, offices called the Hollywood Filmworks. Would you come and decorate them? And so literally I thought, wow, you know, God, if I go do this, maybe they'll put me in another movie. So I did it, not knowing what the hell I was doing. But it looked really cool. It was sort of a cross between Casablanca goes to India via Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> and, um, and the day it was finished, the president of Capitol Records called me. And I ended up working for her. And then through her, I met Cheryl Teagues, the iconic supermodel, who hired me over the top of the biggest designers that she had interviewed, like the big, big names. It was so crazy. And um, I was, like, totally panicked by that one. I found somebody to work with. I took a partner on to kind of run the business side of it because, of course, your typical creative can't juggle a checkbook. <laughs> and that was it. Nine months later, we had the cover of six different magazines around the world and my career was born. Well, is that, is that right? So it was that short a period of time and suddenly you were on the cover of magazines and working with supermodels. And I mean, it was just off to the races. Yeah, it was totally off to the races. And I think because my first ever really big client was a celebrity, you then are sort of trusted in this insatiable world of Hollywood by other celebrities and so they feel happier about hiring you mm. and it just suddenly for me it suddenly rolled into one superstar after the next and it kind of became this you know unbelievable machine of, of, of that and what happens when you work with celebrities and, and famous people um, is the press takes note and everything you do gets published. Hmm. And so, well, you know, here we are, 300 magazine covers later. This is my 30th year in the business. And, well, I'm still loving every minute of it. Well, and and that's how it seems. I mean, it, it seems like you're just on fire and, and wildly inspired and you're doing a million things. And we're going to talk about the, the million different licensing things you've got going on. But tell me first, since, since I mentioned that Elton was kind enough to write the foreword to your, to your book. So how, how did the Elton John come to be? How did you become friends and then later his, his designer? So honestly, it was, it's, you know, it's the same old story with, 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 with how a lot of the introductions happen. I worked for a friend of theirs and then ended up being invited on a vacation where I ended up vacationing and David Furnish Elton's husband was on the boat and we became like fast friends. And then, you know, and then of course I got introduced to Elton and then eventually they bought a place in LA and that's how I got hired. So, you know, I guess similar thing with Cher. I mean, Cher, I worked and became friends with a wonderful jewelry designer called Laurie Rodkin, who's this sort of amazing rock and roll jeweler, mm. whose jewelry I love. And Laurie introduced me to Cher. And, um, you know, here we are. We're, what are we? We're three different houses later with Cher and still working with her to this day. So, yeah, so a lot of it is, is, is introductionary. It's how you meet people and it follows on and falls into the next person. It's extraordinary. It, it's amazing how how it all happened, and and to your point, seemed to seem to happen so quickly. 
my question for you. So funny enough, a, a listener wrote to me the other day, uh, we were having an exchange about imposter syndrome. And and I wonder in the beginning for you, untrained in design, right? And and just had, had figured things out on your own. Did you suffer from imposter syndrome or how did you even think about charging for your first job and all of that? Well, I don't think I, I don't think I ever thought about imposter syndrome because I, I have always believed in myself in one way or the other, mm. um, and so and so I never felt that. I mean, maybe that was very naive, and maybe that was that was you know a bit of the old acting training there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and so you know I just sort of went with it. I mean, the crazy thing with the Cheryl Teeks job actually is that she wanted to live in a Balinese pavilion in the heart of Bel Air. <laughs> and at that time, I, either of us had been to Bali. Right. So it was complete fantasy creation. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, but so, you pulled it off. I mean, the, the images of that project, I mean, they're, they are stunning. I mean, and it really does, the wood and the color. and Yeah, the... they're still out there in the world and people still reference them and use them for, for projects. And I mean, hilariously, when I eventually did get to go to Bali, we went into a, you know, some sort of importer's, exporter's shop and sitting on the wall was this massive, great picture of, of Cheryl Teague's house with their sort of, you know, grandly claiming that they had, you know, sent the furniture and stuff for it, which, oh. of course, I'd never been there before, never even been in, in Indonesia, let alone in Bali. So hilarious that these people were claiming that they'd done the house. Oh, so they were trying to suggest that it was their furniture that you used in the project. Yeah, yeah they were, exactly. <laughs> Little did they know I used Mario in the east end of L.A. to make it. <laughs> well, so how did you think about charging and how did you think? Well, that was that, that, that was the thing that was completely a mystery to me because I had no idea of any of that. And so for a while there, I did take on a, on a, a, a partner who I brought in, which was wonderful at the time because I didn't know the business side of it. And so that mm. helped, you know, because obviously and I'm sure it was incredibly undercharging <laughs> to begin with. But I mean, obviously, this is a business, and we all have to yeah. make money. And like everybody in this world, they have to get reimbursed for their services. And so, it take a minute to work all mm. of that out. But you know, you get there, and you make mistakes, and you make think you have mistakes that cost you money, and you just move on. One of these things with those kinds of questions, I always get asked these things by kids that are, at, you know, small and and they want to know how do we charge, how do we get into business, how do we do things. Follow your intuition a lot of the time. You know, feel it out. See what you can do. See where you can go. You know, I, I, I really believe that intuition helps enormously with things. Mm. And, again, if you believe in yourself, other people are going to believe in you. And when people, people believe in you, they're going to pay you. We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Forehands, to the trade wholesaler of well-crafted furniture and decor. Join their designer trade program to shop over 6,000 styles, 24-7, all online. Or visit one of their showrooms in High Point, Las Vegas, and Austin. There's no order minimum, and you'll enjoy bigger discounts the more you spend. Plus, get expertise and support from their dedicated sales team. Whether you're an interior designer, architect, or contractor, join now and receive a copy of their latest lookbook. Visit forehands.com slash boh. That's f-o-u-r-h-a-n-d-s dot com slash boh. And now 
back to the show. Often I have the conversation with designers about undercharging and, and, and undervaluing them, themselves. And, and I think a lot of designers struggle with that or they, they, they look at their, how much they're charging by the end of the month and say, oh, I can't charge them that much. I'll, I'll shave some off. And, and I, again, to your point, I don't know if it's confidence or, or, or what it is. Well, there's also been a terrible misconception over the years that the design industry is ripping everybody off. Mm. You know, people that don't even understand how hard of a job this is and how much goes into it and and your overheads. You know, I have enormous overheads from from the rents of my offices and, and our storage and the delivery people and then all the staff and then all the insurances and then all of your, you know, all your indemnity and all these crazy things that you have to pay for that that you know, people don't even think about. They just think, see you coming along with your little, you know, pad of drawings and showing them some fabric samples and going off and ordering it. You know, I don't know any attorney that decides at the end of the month, oh, let's knock 15 hours off of this. It sounds like it's too much money. Right. So why, why, why not the same for us? And so people should be properly reimbursed for it. I, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, I think design needs to be presented and sold that way more often than it is. And also, you know, for me, I don't like to do hourly billing, actually. Mm. I look at the amount of time that I imagine the job's going to take. So let's say it's going to take six months, a year, 18 months. And I think of how many people in my office, how many designers and assistants and stuff are going to be working on the project and then i come up with a fee you know if it's 100 200 300 whatever thousand whatever it is we come up with a fee and we go okay this is going to be what you're going to pay us as a design fee and it's going to last for x amount of months and whether we sit with you for 300 hours or 30 hours it'll be the same amount of money so you as the client know exactly what you're getting into and you never feel that when we're sitting around having a cup of coffee that you're being charged $500 for that hour. And it really creates much more trust, I believe, within, within the experience. Yeah. And I think the clients love to know what they're in for up front. And then in addition to that, do you have a, a standard markup on what you purchase? And is that across the board? Of course, we have, a, we have our design markup that, that goes on everything. But we are very, very transparent. I mean, you know, you as the client get to see the original cost, what the markup is, what the tax is, and you get the backup. So you really know everything about it. And and that that seems to be the way much more that things are they're going. This this sort of transparency and and here's the bill, here's what I paid, here's what I'm charging you, and pretty clean. Yeah, I, I think you have to. You have to be honesty is the best policy in life period you know back in the day back in the you know back in sort of the 80s and 90s i think those old school decorators that would have these kind of you know secret markups and added percentages and everything that's what gave the industry a bad reputation i don't think that really exists anymore i think people are very upfront um certainly the way we work and a lot of my friends work i think is a very upfront very fair way of doing business and again, honesty is the best policy. Well, and, and some of your clients, Elton John, a, a self-confessed habitual shopper, I imagine he goes out and buys a lot of things on his own, not just, 
not just sunglasses, but I, I bet he's a, he's loose buying antiques and whatever. Uh, do clients just sort of go out and get what they want, and do you do you try and rein them in, or how do you deal with how do you deal with them? I actually love working with clients that have collections and 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 wonderful personal things, and and you know that often is the thing that gives your project its personality. Not a decorator. If you if you know my work and if you look at my work, there's very few jobs that that ever look the same. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And so and so for me, it's about decorating is not about giving people the Martin Lawrence Bullard look. Decorating people's homes is about creating really their home. It's about mirroring their personality. It's about letting them shine through. I want their friends and family to walk in and go, "Oh my God, this house is so you." You know, not this is so Martin Lawrence Bullard. So that's very important for me. And, and, and you know, when people bring in their own, you know, whatever it is, their own collection of glass or art or sunglasses, whatever the hell it is that they want and they want displayed and they want to have around them, that is all part of the process. That's part of what I have to work out how to make that work and, and what um, becomes the very personal moment of that home. Um, listen, you don't want any clients to go out and buy everything for the house because then, you know, well, what's the right. point of it? It's not, you're not getting your whole vision across. But, you know, again, super important to have people's personalities in the mix. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and as you say, I, it's, there's, there's no Martin Lawrence Billard that looks like the previous one. That, that is for sure with your, with your projects. They're very personal. And that's, and that's what it makes it exciting. That's what keeps us on our toes. That's what keeps us getting educated. You know, I believe in life. If you don't learn something new every day, then you're dead. And so, and so I love and adore finding out new things, experiencing new experiences. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, you were like share, you know, her first project. She said to me, I want to live like the first wife of a Maharaja. <laughs> You know, which translates into she wanted to live in the most opulent looking set of rooms in that palace. And so we created her own magical Indian inspired apartment, you know, which was created from using the facade of a, of an, of a 18th century palace in Jaipur that was being torn down that we bought and recreated for the entire interior of her spaces. And so that was this wonderful Indian moment, you know, with, with Tommy Hilfiger, for instance, for, for the first house I did with him. I've done four now, but the first house in, um, in Miami where he and his gorgeous wife Dee wanted to kind of recreate something very sixties, seventies with a heavy studio 54 vibe that would highlight their extraordinary collection of pop art. And so, you know, I really studied that sort of Studio 54 vibe, that real, that real 70s, sexy, psychedelic moment. And, you know, we created something that was world class. That actually, that project alone um, conjured over 36 covers around the world. And so that was a kind of an amazing project because nobody could believe that the wildness of, of Tommy Hilfiger. So... You know, all of those. And at the same time, I was doing the restoration of a 12th century castle in Umbria, Italy, for a Russian oligarch, where we utterly restored everything there and brought back 17th and 18th century uh, Tuscan and Umbrian antiques back into Italy from all over the world. 
so you know those juxtapositions were pretty wild well and one of the things that you've that you've talked about and that and that you've accomplished is you taught yourself all of these different periods all of these different styles and 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 really immersed yourself in 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 learning about them over, over the years you know what i started doing is listening to podcasts mm, good move i hadn't for a and then and then and then you know i've done a few recently and uh, and I thought the other day, oh my God, I must listen to that one that, that I did with this wonderful lady called Carol Walton that has one about jewellery. Huh. And um, she's the editor of British Vogue, the jewellery editor of British Vogue. And she knows that I have a love of jewellery and that I had a bit of a relationship with Elizabeth Taylor. Um, I, I had these wonderful tales of trying on all of her jewels. Anyway, so we I did this fun podcast with her and, and with a dear friend, Victoria Brenner, who's Yul Brenner's daughter. You know, the movie star. Yes, yes, I met her recently. Yeah, and so we did this wonderful, fun, hilarious podcast. And so I listened to that, and then suddenly I, I found myself into this, just sort of went down this massive rabbit hole of listening to the rest of all of her podcasts, of which she's done three seasons, so there's a lot of them. And now, of course, I've started listening to all these interior design ones too, which have been utterly fascinating. I like the ones that are more historic-based. I listened to one with Julian Fellows the other day about working with these great houses being the co-stars of his programming. So Highclere Castle, of course, from Downton Abbey and beautiful Ranger House, which is a house in Greenwich that I grew up visiting a lot as a, as a kid, um, was used very extensively as the Prince of Wales house in Bridgerton. You know, and listening to how these, these beautiful houses and architecture and the furniture and the, the styling gives so much back to the TV show. You know, so you learn all these wonderful things from all of this stuff around us. And, and whether you're looking at a bowl of oranges and suddenly realize that that color orange is the perfect color to paint RuPaul's office in, <laughs> as any form of creative person knows, we're all kind of like sponges. And so you take it all in. Some of it dribbles, some of it retains. And you never know when you're going to need that little bit of juice to dress something else up with in your life. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I love that. And I, and I love that you're such a sponge about all of that. So let's transition into this licensing conversation that I want to have with you because, man, if ever there is the king of licensing, I believe it is you. I believe you have the, the title. And I'm wondering, first, when did you start to to think about partnerships? How did this first come about? What what was your your, your first foray into into all of this? And, and tell me about your thinking. Well, you know, my end of the business, you end up really creating lots of things for people's homes custom. So whether we design something from scratch or we take inspiration from something and rescale it to work in a room. We've always made custom furniture, custom lighting, custom paint colors, etc. And so that's always been a joyful part of my of my work, uh, in that you get to be creative to create, you know, create things as well as creating rooms and spaces. So I kind of started to understand that early on that product was really a fun thing. And then once my project started to get published, you'd have people writing in or calling up the office saying, oh, where can I get that Portuguese bed? Or, or, or how do I, what color was that on the walls? Or, you know, what, what kind of rug is that in there? Where's that from? And so I realized, well, you know, maybe I should be producing this stuff. Well, that really 
sparked my my passion for, for for wanting to do licensing and i realized also with with advice from some wonderful friends that when you're going to do something like that you got to look at your game plan and i sat with liz heller who's who's now my business manager um who at the time was the executive president of capital records and been one of my first ever clients hmm. and we sat in in fred siegel's cafe in, in west hollywood with a napkin and she said, I want you to write down on this napkin your game plan for your future and what you want. And so we sat there and we wrote down this sort of game plan of where I wanted to go, wanted to do, you know, licensing and TV work and international things and hotels and all the stuff that, that we wrote down. And this, by the way, this is like 20 years ago. Rather amazingly, everything we put on that napkin has come true. Yeah. But she said to me, you know, always start at the top. Always go for the top level because once you're at the top, you can come down gracefully. When you're at the bottom, it's very hard to get to the top. So I looked at my idea of licensing like a pyramid where I wanted the very top of the pyramid to be sort of the prized, iconic, iconoclast labels, designs, designer houses, couturiers, if you want, in my industry. And that's what I went after. And so uh, amongst my first licenses were things like I did uh, Crystal for, for, uh, for Dome, uh, the iconic French crystal house, Porcelain for Havilland Limoges, um, Silver for Christoffel. So these major French houses and created these collections, visited the factories. So I worked on all these collections and obviously they're sort of at the pinnacle of, 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 of design. My name now sits on lists, which is ridiculous because I couldn't possibly put myself in the same category. But my name sits on these lists with people like uh, Salvador Dali and Picasso and Jean Cocteau and some of the greatest artists and designers in our history of the last, you know, one or 200 years. My name sits on those lists, which is unbelievable. And it will always sit there as one of the, one of the people that have created for these houses. So that's kind of where I started with it. And then, so that was the very top tier, very expensive, very exclusive, you know, $80,000 chandeliers and things. Now, that's not, that stuff's not selling every day for sure. Mm. But then I realized, okay, now let's get a bit more into my world, into the design world, into the stuff that I use and buy on a daily basis. So then we, we started to work with or were approached by and started to work with uh, companies like Schumacher, the fabulous fabric house. And so I did fabric two fabric collections for Schumacher and Wallpaper, um, and then uh, the rug company, you know, the great English company that, that, that has all these wonderful rug stores around the world, and I did these great rugs with them off the back, actually, of doing uh, the green room for the Oscars, where I used them and commissioned this particular rug, and they loved it, and then I said, well, let's do a collection, and so we knocked out the collection from that, and things like Anne Sachs, creating tiles, so hit that level, which is the designer level with all of that stuff. And then more recently in my licensing, I've done things now, which is much more the way the world is going, which is more product that's available direct to the public. So um, I have a wonderful collection of fabrics that I designed for the shade store. Brilliant for the public. They sort of cut out, you know, having to deal with the design trade. And the design trade are now using them too because their quality is so good and they're fast. And so 
we have a very successful partnership together with that brand which is amazing and also we've just launched now du chateau which is a which is a flooring wood flooring uh line of wonderful nine to ten inch uh white oak floorboards and all these fabulous designer colors that i use in my own projects that are literally half the price of a lot of the competitors and direct you know direct source to the public so this is a wonderful way to go but I'm still not down on, you know, I'm still not at the bottom of my pyramid. There's still things I can do that are even more mass market. You know, I'm, at some point I'm looking at things like, you know, there are amazing stores now all over America on every main street, like CB2 and, and um, William Sonoma. And these are fabulous stores that are offering incredible design at really great prices. And so maybe that's the next sort of genre, but I have to say my, my dance card is full. <laughs> It, it seems quite full. I mean, I go on your website and uh, and and you've got page after page of of you with with various product. So I mean, you you seem to be you you have an awful lot going on. And what I find interesting about that too, Martin, is that you, and I'm sure the companies love you for this. You're out there promoting it and 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 selling it and and. Some designers, they put their name on something and, and they move on. But, but you're really telling people about it and, and, and sharing what you, why you did it and what you think is so special. And, I mean, tell me about that. Yeah, you've got to support your, your, what you're going to do. What I would say for anybody listening who wants to get into licensing is that, yes, it's not just about great design. It's also about understanding marketing and understanding that you have to stand behind your product and behind what you're doing. People want to see you using it. They want to see how you used it. And they want you to be there to support them. There's nothing I love more than looking at my Instagram feed and seeing people posting, you know, things I've designed and using them in their own wonderfully creative way. It is, number one, very flattering. And number two, inspiring. Mm. Um, I really love it. I so enjoy seeing that. It's, so, it's, such, it's such an inspiration for me too. But, yeah, I, I think that whatever you do, you have to – support it in every way you can. We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Leloy. Leloy was honored to recently win the 2023 Arts Award for Best Area Rug Manufacturer. Family-owned since Amir Leloy founded it in 2004, the company loves to provide the industry's best products and service to designers and retailers. There's always more to come from its in-house design team in Dallas and its family of collaborators like Amber Lewis, Carrier & Company, Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines, and Justina Blakeney. Open a trade account at laloyrugs.com. That's L-O-L-O-I rugs.com. And stay in the loop by following them on Instagram or TikTok at at laloyrugs. You mentioned something interesting, though, about direct-to-consumer and how so much seems to be moving in that direction. And, and I'm curious if you think more and more of the industry seems to be moving there and making things more available to the public. And, yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I know a lot of the to-the-trade companies are all figuring out how they're going to go to the public, too. Um, I understand it. There's so much online that's so easy for people to shop 
all over the world. I could go on now, yeah. you know, and buy in India and two minutes later buy something in Australia and have it all come to my home here in LA. I mean, it, it is very easy today to do and operate all of those things. That being said, the skill of an interior designer or, or, or an architect is something that is a skill. And many people that go out there on their own and they buy, you know, a couple of sofas from RH and a couple of pots from Pottery Barn and a, and a coffee table from, I don't know, front gate or whatever, and it all arrives and they can't get half it through the front door, let alone in the <laughs> living room. Yeah. They never thought to measure it or, or look at the scale or, or see that the seat of the sofa was 16 inches and the coffee table was 24 inches. And so it all looks off. So there, you know, so. There will always, always be a need for the interior designer. Yeah. It just will. And the joy, I think, of the direct-to-consumer is that for people that don't have the luxury of being able to afford to hire a designer, it makes life so much easier for them to buy something cool and chic, you know, that they can get without having to, 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 to think, oh, my God, where do we find that? Well, how do we get that? What, do we need a designer to buy that for us? They can buy it themselves and bring it into their own homes and, 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 you know, and add the joy of that into their lives. And so that is the wonderful thing about direct to consumer. Uh, again, let's not confuse direct to consumer with a interior designer or a designed project. It's two highly different animals. You mentioned earlier, you, you have the luxury of working with so many celebrity clients, which these days with fewer and fewer publications and many of them requiring almost there, there being a celebrity attached to a project to get to get published, your, your projects are able to get out there a, a, a lot more. I wonder, did the, did the television part help with that as well? Your, your own fame and, and celebrity, did, did Million Dollar Decorator help that a lot? Yes, for sure. I mean, listen, I did have, I went into Million Dollar Decoration with three licenses already in my back pocket. However, being on TV, Bravo, for instance, when, you know, the three years that we were airing on, on, on uh, Bravo, suddenly everybody, Mrs. Smith in, in, in Ohio suddenly knows who you are. You know, people that have never heard of you before know who you are because they've seen you on TV. You're in their living rooms with them. Right. And so that really does um, bring around a whole new audience and a whole new audience that quite often will then recognize your name when they see it sitting on a shelf in a shop. Mm. And, oh, yeah, I loved that guy. He was fun. What does his candle smell like? Or that's a great fabric. Oh, he designed that. Oh, I like that. I liked him. Let's get that. So there is what that that's it's a wonderful thing. Television is an amazing way to springboard any form of licensing for sure well and you and you seem to genuinely in enjoy that i was i was talking with your friend mary mcdonald just recently she seems she seems happy to be in that great big house in upstate new york and and alone right on the on her her vast property and 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 living a, a quieter life it's a bit of a love shack she's got a, she's got an adorable <laughs> boyfriend yes so uh, yes but i'm not sure i mansion can be called a love shack but hey um <laughs> i adore mary she's one of the most heavenly she's hilarious and adorable 
stylish and super talented. And she, yeah, and she, you know, I think Mary would love to do a bit of TV again as well yeah, because yeah. she's funnier at it. You know, she's <laughs> just great. Um, but I think she's also really enjoying her new life living on the East Coast. Um, yes. And as you said, she's in this big, beautiful house that she's decorating and she's very successful with her licensing. She has major licenses with Schumacher and Patterson, Flynn Martin, and she's got a furniture license and I think she has a lamp license. She has a bunch of licensing too, that all of which is very successful and has been going on for years. But, you know, anybody that's talented, there is a place for them in the world and there's always a product for them to design and a house for them to design and a, and a career to be followed. Well, so let's talk about your design firm for, for really quickly before we before we get out of here, because I, I want to understand what's going on for your other business, the the design business that you that you do, right? And it's a it's a it's been a challenging several years for the entire industry between the supply chain challenges and the hiring challenges. All, all of that is affecting you directly, right? Yeah, I mean, all of it's been a challenge, obviously, a little bit. Because mostly, it's mostly supply chain chain that's been the challenge. We worked very hard during COVID. It was very difficult. But everybody understood it was a difficult time. And, you know, your clients knew that that there were these supply chain problems. And we still have them, actually. But most people have been very understanding of it all. And, and, and we got there. We got through it. We've managed to create houses. With my team, we literally built from scratch an entire home for Gwen Stefani and, and Blake Shelton from the ground up, all through COVID. Incredible. Incredible. And, and, and how big a team do you have now? Well, it's normally around 20. Okay. Sometimes more, sometimes we're less. It just depends. I mean, we're a few less right now. Mm. Um, we're, actually, we're actually hiring. We need uh, some new design team members, and, and I need a new uh, uh, interior architect to add to our team. Anybody listening? That's right. Anybody listening to the show? Martin is hiring. Send resumes. Yeah, because we've, we've got such a lot of work on at the moment and so mm. many varied projects from, from restaurants for master chefs and we're doing the most expensive penthouse in Los Angeles right now. We've got all of these wonderful celebrity clients from RuPaul's Machine Gun Kelly to, to new houses, new beach houses for Ellen Pompeo and Sylvester Stallone. And we have an amazing roster of clients right now, an unbelievable array of projects. But yeah. Come on, send those resumes in, guys. <laughs> there are openings. And if you like working with celebrity clients, have we got a job for you? <laughs> Is that hard for young people when they show up sometimes at your office? Are they a little starstruck? Are they, is, it, is it hard to adjust to the roster of clients that you, that you have and, and, and what I assume is everything that goes along? I, I, I think, yes. I'm sure there are some people along the way that are starstruck. With people, I mean, I am sometimes too. It's just part of the game. It's part of what we do, you know. And so, I mean, certainly if we interview somebody and, you know, the only reason they're there is so they can, I don't know. <laughs> Go to famous hang out, with, hang out with Lady Gaga or something. You know that, you know that that's not going to be the right employee for you. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely the little bit of star power that goes on around us is always fun the energy of it the seeing the seeing it i mean we're, we're just finishing a house for winnie harlow the the extraordinary supermodel um at the moment and 
it's always so fun to go over to her house because she's always like doing a podcast or a shoot and there's 20 makeup artists and there's hilarious characters there and it's just a really fun fabulous energy and you hmm. get wrapped up in the madness of this beautiful <laughs> seven-year life and so um you know there's always these fun things that happen and out of seeing that you get even more creative or creative for them more individual with the design for them and somehow you take something fun away with you so it's all part of that delicious cocktail <laughs> Well, and it and it seems as if with the kind of clientele and the kind of projects that you're working on, whether we might have some kind of a slowdown, not have some kind of a slowdown, does any of that matter to your business? Do you think about that? Worry about that? I never worry about a slowdown. <laughs> I don't give that a second thought. I just don't worry about a slowdown. You know, if it slows down, it slows down. That just means I've got more time to go to the gym or something. God knows, I haven't done, haven't done for years. But um, I think that life pans out the way it's supposed to. I don't really believe that, that, like I said, that any of us will really encounter a proper slowdown. That, you know, there's a bit of an economy shakeup at the moment, which is right. a little messy. Yeah. But I, don't, I think that if you're good at what you do, you're always going to maintain work and you're always going to to have clients and like i said before even though now there's so many ways for people to buy and shop themselves and decorate themselves you're never ever going to lose the need for a real designer right and and people are able to to access time with you on the on the expert for example we were we were talking with Jake and Leo recently do do you do you like that whole platform and what that makes possible? Yeah, I've done, I've, I've I, you know I was one of the first people to to, to support those guys and yeah. sign up with them. Yeah, and, and I did a bunch of them at the beginning. Actually, I don't quite do so, quite so many now. Like, they have so many people on there. Mm. I think that the the choice is so enormous for people that that it's uh, um, almost almost too dazzling. It's almost too confusing to pick which designer to to, <laughs> to, to speak to at this point. But um, you know, I've really enjoyed that interaction of speaking to people that maybe you'd never have met before. And they're so lovely and so filled with um, excitement. And, and, and it's great to be able to help people solve problems in a, in a fast and furious way. So, yeah, it was such a brilliant idea that those guys came up with during COVID. I mean, my God. Uh, and they're going to make a lot of money out of it. So really good for them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and they're they're expanding it quite a bit, as you as you know, and and getting this this showroom business off the ground. So we'll see how how that does. Uh, Martin, you are so generous to spend time with us, and I can't thank you enough. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nicolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.